What are some of the ways that wealth tech startups are gaining traction? How do they demonstrate their value? And what is the secret sauce that they need to convince advisors to be one of the first to try their software? I asked these questions to our guest, Matt Reiner, founder of Benjamin, and you'll get to hear his responses and a whole lot more right here on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Sit back and relax. You're listening to the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. Our theme for this month is startups. And we have some terrific guests, including today's Matt Reiner from Benjamin, who will be delivering insights and analysis on everything around startups in the wealth tech space. If you are the CEO, CTO, COO, or other fintech executive with a software product that you're selling to broker dealers, RIAs, asset managers, or other firms, run, do not walk to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and click the button to schedule a discovery session. Our wealth tech research team can deliver a wide range of market insights for your firm, including competitive analysis, addressable and obtainable market estimates, sales targeting, and insights on buying decisions, and more. Every vendor needs this data to be successful, especially when entering new markets, and you can get on the right track by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to check out our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. And now let's kick this thing off. I'm happy to introduce our next guest on the podcast. It is Matt Reiner, CEO and co-founder of Benjamin. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Craig. How are you? Matt, I can't complain. Not at all. Where are you calling in from, my friend? So I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and, uh, you know, the South is starting to show spring again here soon, which is great. Well, it's about time. We're, we're still getting snow here. Yeah, if um, if we got snow, if we got snow here, or even the threat of snow in Atlanta, they they shut the whole city down for about a week. So it's um, it's nice that we we are getting past the snow and the uh, the sun and the the pollen is coming out a lot right now as things are blooming. At least I live in New Jersey and we used to get some snow days. If we got a, a you know a decent like six or eight inches, sometimes they would shut the schools down. One of my daughters goes to Ithaca, in Ithaca, New York, and they got a ton of snow. She looks out the window now, and it's you know it's a it's a blizzard. Like going to gotta go to class. They're not canceling classes for you. You gotta go. So it's a whole different world. Yeah, we get a we get about a half an inch, and they shut down schools down here. So it's just different. Uh, we don't have the uh, the infrastructure to to kind of keep the roads clear, I guess. Um, and the city has a sprawling issue where we've sprawled up, you know forty five miles from the center of the city. Uh, so it's a it's a different challenge down here, I think. Well, we'll have to do another podcast on city planning to fix those issues, right? That that and so uh, in public that and public transportation would be nice. Well, we'll do that next time. We'll start another podcast. So, uh, Matt, please give us a thirty-second elevator pitch for Benjamin. 
Yeah, so Benjamin is a workflow automation engine that looks to connect a wealth managers' technologies together to eliminate and execute on the menial mundane tasks. Our passion is to enable more uh, access to financial advisors. And in order for that to be done, in our view, is to create more time for advisors and their teams. And advisors and their teams spend anywhere between 30 to 40% of their time doing tasks that are repeated every day and automatable if we connect the technology and the processes. And Benjamin sits in the background as a workflow automation engine to eliminate and execute on those menial mundane tasks. And it was built by wealth managers that sat in the seat. It was a problem we saw and we solved it and now deliver it out to other wealth managers across the country. That's a great story. Is it kind of like, um, I know there was some software available online called If Then, If This Then That. You could do, so you're kind of like that software or how would you, what would you compare yourself to? Yeah, it's very similar to like an if then, uh, if this, then that type software, right? That's all robotic process automation. Um, and it's a bit kind of web and, and diagram on the background. Um, and, you know, there's another company out there called Zapier that's very similar. Um, and, you know, where our focus is, is we want to continue to integrate into more and more of the specific technologies that are just wealth management specific um, beyond just the CRM uh, and the calendar. Uh, we want to focus on deepening our integrations with portfolio management systems and custodians uh, and financial planning softwares um, and, and really focusing and helping advisors, right? So beyond just being the technology, we are also helping them think through strategically on a consultative side, how to better their workflows and their processes and where the automation and we augment teams. Uh, so yes, our technology is very similar to that, but I think our service and our experience is very unique given that we've solved these problems for two different RIA firms here in Atlanta that we built this technology for, and we bring that to our clients. And so uh, we help, one of the challenges I always see is advisors struggle with, where do I start with automation? How do I keep and maintain it? How do I build the most efficient workflows? And there's great consultants out there uh, that can help with that. And, and we believe that we can, we can help with that as well as part of our solution and our offering uh, holistically. So you'd say your difference, differentiator versus Zapier, which anybody can get a hold of, is that you're focused on wealth management. You've already pre-built integrations and automations to the major CRMs, financial planning, portfolio management systems that make it easier for advisors to automate Yeah, it's much more turnkey to the just the technologies that the advisor's using, right? And uh, and we already have pre-built workflows and pre-built what we call we call them missions, uh, which are tasks that Benjamin executes on, and then we call you know workflows playbooks. So we have different playbooks that advisors can uh, integrate off the shelf. Uh, into their firm to create efficiencies and, and time back in their day right away. And then those playbooks can be edited, right? Because every firm's unique. They want a unique client experience. They want to handle things a little bit differently. Um, and they have that optionality uh, and flexibility with Benjamin. So again, it's just more tailored specifically for financial advisors and wealth managers um, and with both the technology and the focus on the processes that we, we, uh, we automate. Okay, so tell me the difference between a mission and a work and a playbook. So a mission is part of a playbook. So a playbook is the entire process. The mission is the actual task. Um, so for instance, the task of, of sending an email um, after, you know, or for meeting preparation when a meeting is coming up tomorrow is a mission, right? That's the actual event 
that causes an action. A playbook would say, well, I want to make my whole meeting process more efficient. And so a playbook would have everything from submissions around getting the meeting scheduled with the client to doing the meeting preparation to uh, acting on follow-ups after the meeting uh, and getting notes from the advisor. That would be an aggregation of missions inside of a playbook that gives them a strategy that they can go and kind of implement into a, a major area of service that we, we provide as financial advisors. That sounds really cool. So let's move into um, some specific use cases. Can you give me an example of a use case where an RIA can, can take the, the benchmark software and provide value, efficiency, and proof productivity? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, where we've started to see a lot of our clients, right, we, we focus on helping advisors become more efficient within really three main buckets, right? Meetings, onboarding, and ongoing servicing, right? If you think about the whole life cycle of a client, that's the majority of everything that we do as an advisor. We, we meet with clients, we open new accounts and onboard them, and then we service them via trading and financial planning and follow-ups, et cetera. And, and our focus is on helping to eliminate uh, some of those repeatable tasks uh, inside of those buckets. And where we've seen a lot of uh, opportunity, or we call it the low-hanging fruit, uh, as we've talked to many different RAs over the past uh, several months, is with regards to meetings, it seems to come up time and time again that that advisors struggle not with the the using a scheduling link like a Calendly uh, or a Schedule Once or something of that nature, but more so with getting that in the hands of the the client, ensuring that the client actually schedules, and then completing that task to continue on a workflow within the CRM, and uh, and then when the meeting happens, you know, ensuring that based on meeting frequency. Uh, and when the last meeting was, that the next meeting gets scheduled on time, et cetera, that whole process. And, and to some advisors, that seems, uh, seems simple, but many advisors and teams that are growing uh, just don't have the capacity to, to really invest into building all that out. And you know, we have a, a really great client up in the Midwest uh, that does basically block scheduling. So they take three times a year, they have these blocks where they just are doing surge scheduling, where they just want to have as many meetings all, with all their clients in those you know six week periods and and the whole scheduling process of that took him you know weeks to get done in monitoring and in tracking with an excel spreadsheets etc to make sure that clients are scheduled monitoring the crm monitoring the calendar and he was still using a scheduling link and so what we were able to do is that we integrate into a crm which was redtail we were able to integrate into his calendar which was outlook we utilize Calendly, which is an amazing scheduling tool. We're not trying to replace any technologies. That's something that's really important about Benjamin is that we're trying to live uh, in between them as the connective tissue. And so we want to use the best in breed. And Calendly does a great job with scheduling. Redtail's a great CRM. And so we integrate into their CRM. Uh, and based on the last meeting date and the, the, the meeting surge that that client has, Benjamin is the one that reaches out to the client. Um, and then he's monitoring the calendar. And when he sees that the meeting has been scheduled, he completes the task inside of the CRM. And if he sees that it hasn't been scheduled, he follows up with them again every seven days. And then after you know four or five touch points, he reaches out to the advisor and lets him know, please call this person, delivers the phone number and the email address for that client. And what this did is that this delayed a hire for that one, that, that, the, that advisor at that firm because he was about to hire another firm because he was growing and just didn't have the resources to keep going this way. 
And we were able to delay a hire. And that right there was the immediate ROI. And then we added in other missions with regards to accounts being opened, accounts being funded, triggering the trader on the in the firm to trade the account, et cetera. But that was the foot in the door that just as that had immediate ROI of something that a human is doing today, that we were able to let that human or free that capital up or free that human up to do more um, higher sophistication or build deeper relationships with more clients types of tasks. So speaking of your missions of account open and funding and trading, how are you actually doing that? So how does Benjamin interact with the other systems to avoid any manual steps, uh, which is normally done when you're opening the account? Okay, then the account's been funded, okay, I manually check that. How do you automate that process? Yeah, so because we have integrations with uh, the, the, the major custodians, Schwab, Fidelity, Pershing, TD, which will eventually be Schwab, um, and we also have bi-directional integrations with the CRMs. Um, we have we 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 basically are the the center connective tissue. And we bring all the data into one central hub. So we're basically creating a mini data warehouse for each of our firms. Um, and so we unify the data. So we know which accounts at the custodian are related to which people inside of the CRM. Um, and then when we see a new account is open, we know who the advisor is. So we can then notify the advisor. But we also have the ability to both create tasks in the CRM. We have the ability to complete tasks in the CRM um, based off of the data that we get back from the custodian. So uh, on the account opening, then when the account, a new account is funded, uh, we're able to then go and complete the tasks that the account has been funded um, and then go and, um, and, uh, and create the task for the particular trader or the advisor, whoever trades the account. Um, and then because we have an integration directly with DocuSign, we can also see if the account envelope for the new accounts have been opened uh, or not. And if they haven't, then Benjamin is the one via text message or email that's following up with the client to nudge them to get their account application or their DocuSign completed. Because sometimes DocuSign goes into spam and clients don't see it or it just gets lost in all their other email. And so that's something that a human is doing today that Benjamin is able to complete. Um, and we continue to expand our offerings with regards to that um, with a recent launch of our integration with uh, the Schwab Gateway, uh, OpenView Gateway, uh, with their alerts functionality. So we can see if there's you know, something going on with the transfer uh, that's coming over. And then we can, uh, we can either alert the client and, or the advisor. We can see if there's an issue with the account being opened and we can do the same thing. And the beauty of this is, is that within our ecosystem or our platform, uh, the advisor or what we call as the Benjamin boss, the one person in the firm that trains Benjamin, they can set specific rules for each type of alert type or each type when an account is open and it's a Roth or an account is open and it's an IRA. Um, you can ensure that the 404A is, you know, is checked, et cetera. So uh, the way that we're able to do that is by creating that mini data warehouse, doing OAuth integrations with all of the major technologies, and then also doing integrations with the custodial data feeds and bringing it all together and unifying it down to the contact level. Did you just say OAuth? Yeah, OAuth integration. So what um, what that allows for is that um, the integration, it's a tokenized integration that enables each user to integrate their calendar, let's say, or their CRM into Benjamin by just using the username and password uh, for that particular system. So when they get the link 
to integrate for Benjamin. They click on the link, they put in their username and password. That's what, what's deemed as OAuth integration. Um, and then that creates a token so that we don't have to store the username and password on our side. Gotcha, it's like single sign-on. Similar, yep. This is just on the back end from the API side. Yes, exactly. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is running the Invest in Others Awards, which is a program that recognizes the charitable work of financial advisors in communities across the country and around the world. Awards are presented at their signature event, the annual Invest in Others Awards Gala. Over 600 advisors and financial services executives attend this premier event to celebrate those individuals that actively give back to their communities. I've gone to, I think, the last three award galas. They had to cancel it for COVID, and then they canceled it again last year, uh, 2021. Uh, it was normally in September, October timeframe, but hopefully they'll have it again this year. So there are five categories of awards that recognize, uh, recognize the distinct ways that advisors have made a difference through their work with a nonprofit. So the nominations deadline is April 1st. That's less than a month. Just go to investinothers.org and you can click on the nominate, uh, click here to nominate link and nominate an advisor. Um, if they win in one of the five categories, which are Catalyst Award, Community Service Award, Volunteer of the Year Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, and Emerging Impact Award. They can win, let's say, finalists in all categories receive $25,000 for their charity. The winners in the Catalyst Community Service, Next Gen, and Volunteer of the Year categories receive $50,000. The advisor who uh, receives the Lifetime Achievement Award receives $75,000. That's a lot of money for a charity, can really help. I've uh, been lucky enough to be on the, the nominated committee, the, no, the awards committee, the judging committee for a bunch of these different awards. It's really hard. These advisors do some great work, both local communities in the US, in South America, in Central America, in Africa, in Asia, across the world, uh, and right here at home. All kinds of great uh, stories, great charities that help people of all uh, ages, shapes, and sizes. You should uh, uh, nominate someone and also donate. Your company will probably match your donation, which provides twice the benefit. Please go to investinothers.org. Thanks. Gotcha. All right, so let's move on to the next use case. So, talk about the other use case where you did um, the moving uh, beyond tech, the blend of servicing. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that one of our major value uh, value adds as a as a company is our the ability that we have to put ourselves in the in the seat in the shoes of our clients. Given that we my background is in wealth management starting multiple RIA firms, helping them grow. We understand what they're going through. We're not just another technology company coming into it. We've been there, done that, and we built this technology to solve for some of the challenges that we had. And so there's a, there's a client of ours down in Florida that we worked with that's basically reinventing their firm. Um, and they're reinventing the way that they do business, mainly because they saw a need or a gap that they were focusing uh, in one area of the market, mainly on investments. And they saw they needed to get more holistic in nature of their firm. Uh, and they, they just didn't have the processes or the, the organization or the tech stack to empower them to do that. So they invested in getting a more robust tech stack. 
uh, with their CRM, with Wealthbox, with a, a new portfolio management system like Summit Wealth. Um, and they really wanted to focus on building more efficient processes to empower their teams to create deeper relationships that extend beyond just investment management. And so we actually started our relationship with them on a consultative side where we went in and looked at and talked with their team and understood what are y'all doing today for your clients? Where are the struggles? Uh, just like many consultants do already. Um, but it was part of our, our offering with our technology. And we helped build them out flowcharts and processes that they introduced into their standard operating procedures. Um, but then what that allowed for is that they adopted those processes. And as we were going through the consulting side of things, we were able to start showing ways of automating steps of those processes. So as soon as they got those implemented, which we helped with, then we introduced the technology side and we were then able to start automating many steps of those processes from scheduling of meetings, meeting preparation, which is all about generating meeting prep reports, either from portfolio management systems and or pulling data into a tear sheet that shows performance data, notes, tasks, transactions, data from all of your major systems. We were able to help with that. And then we, we implemented some of those tasks uh, or missions that we, we were referring to earlier with regards to account open, account funded, um, and then servicing. They had a big desire to stay in touch with their clients on a quarterly basis and get updates on different pieces of information uh, from their clients. So, uh, you know, information on their financial planning, have you, what is your mortgage balance at? How much of your mortgage have you paid down? All of those types of touch points are opportunities for us to interact with our clients. And they wanted to do more of that. And so with Benjamin, with their CRM, with those data points inside of their CRM, Benjamin's able to text and email these clients, get updates on that information, uh, and keep all of the data updated. Um, and then you throw on top of it, because we are a mini data warehouse and we have a lot of the data points from all of these systems, this particular firm started to use our reporting engine to be notified of accounts that um, uh, may have not had a meeting in a, in a while and had cash balances higher than $10,000, et cetera. But again, it was this proactive nature of sending it to the, the advisor and helping them not have to think about what's next but just telling them what to do next and then automating all the steps in between before we needed a human aspect of it. And, and that firm, you know, they, they're a $500 million firm growing rapidly. Um, and again, it's all a matter of we've created more time to where their CSRs are now able to do a little bit more relationship building and help their, uh, their revenue generating advisors grow their books of business as well via referrals uh, and wallet share, um, you know, bringing more wallet share over. So that's interesting. Now, that's a little bit more than what you were saying before when you mentioned your assistant that does a meeting scheduling, meeting prep, onboarding. Now, now you're getting into more um, analytics when you talk about leveraging the reporting engine to be notified about accounts that haven't had a meeting in a while with cash balances over a certain amount. That's a whole different type of value. Yeah, and really where that, that's just kind of a natural progression of where our software is, right? I mean, this, we're, we've been building the software on the, on the you know, guidance of our clients of learning what they're doing. You know, we come from one RA, but we do things one way and, and other RAs do things slightly different. And we've continued to evolve the platform and it's just a natural progression, right? We've get the, we get the foundation of being able to execute on tasks and everything that we execute on 
uh, which we can dive into is all based on how a human works, right? We made it very intuitive. And so once we got that working and we were able to execute on those simple things, like a task is due in the CRM, go do X, uh, you know, inside of, of somewhere else, or a meeting is coming up in the calendar, go do X and Y in the CRM and via text message. That's the foundation of kind of the connective tissue or, or, or what the category is called a business support system. That's the, the foundation. The next layer up is saying, okay, well, now we have all this data, right? So can we do some analysis on this data to then go and take action on that information? So step two is, well, let's start doing reporting and delivering it to the advisor based on these different data points uh, and the different reporting. And then the next step is, is taking action on that data. So all of the contacts that come in that have more than $15,000 in cash uh, and haven't been met with in six months, maybe one advisor wants Benjamin to go start the schedule meeting workflow for them. And he'll go and start and schedule the meeting proactively. Maybe he wants to get approval on meetings from them or create a task inside the CRM to schedule and the advisor can go in and, um, and determine whether he really or she really wants those meetings scheduled. Uh, or it can go and create a task for the trader for all of those contacts, for all of those accounts to get some money put to work uh, in those accounts. And so that is now starting to create this really augmented arm that, yes, you can do that today. Uh, but it takes time. I always, re I always relate where we are in automation in this industry to the, the concept of bill pay uh, in the past, right? So if you think about online bill pay, if you think about before online bill pay, how we wrote checks and paid bills was we would get the bill in the mail, we'd, we'd open our checkbook, write the check, address an envelope, stamp it, and walk it to our mailbox. The big innovation in bill pay before online bill pay was they put the pre-addressed envelope in the bill for you. So they eliminated one step. You'd write the check, you'd put it in the pre-addressed envelope, you stamp it, you take it to your mailbox. That, that didn't take that much time. That was one or two minutes of time. Um, but then online bill pay came. And when online bill pay came, there was a lot of questions. How are they going to know how much to send? How do they know who to send it to, et cetera? Um, and you know, how's the service provider going to know it's from me? And there's three groups of people. The one group that was all in, the early adopters, as we call it in the technology world. Then you had the other group that was fearful, not fearful because they would never use it, just fearful because it's like, this is so new. And then you had this other group that was pushing back and saying, that task only takes me one or two minutes. I can already do it. Why would I ever want to use online bill pay? And as we now know, the majority of, of, of Americans use online bill pay to some extent. Um, and those one to two minutes that it was taking them is filled with something else, more productive, more enjoyable, whatever it may be. Um, but when I use that example, I use that because I think that automation in our industry is at the early stages of online bill pay, where instead of, you know, people are worrisome about how are you doing that? Or I can do that already in my system. Why do I need someone else to do it? Well, the reason is, is because our value add as individuals or humans in a wealth management firm is to build and deepen relationships and talking to people. And if we're not doing that, and we're doing other things that are keeping us from that, we only have a limited amount of time. We need more time to do what we're great at. And what we are great at in this industry is building relationships. And that's something that I don't believe technology will ever be able to do. And so what we're trying to do is, you know, basically build bill pay, but instead of connecting service providers and banks is we're connecting, um, processes and technologies. And instead of paying bills, we're executing on tasks. Um, and that's what we're focused on right now. 
the technology is trying to take over relationships. All the algorithms and social media are trying to tell us who to talk to, who we like, who we don't like. So, so it's slowly getting there. I think that I think that technology will continue to push the envelope there, and it's telling us who to talk to. It, but I I I don't know. Um, and 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 I and maybe in ten years, fifteen years, I'm a big proponent of technology. I'm a big proponent of virtual reality and how I think it can influence our industry uh, in a much very positive and meaningful way. Uh, and so I'm not, you know, one of those old school people. I am very kind of on on you know cutting edge on that side. But the one thing that I still haven't seen, and we could come back 10, 15 years and it could say I was wrong and, and that's fine, um, is I just don't believe that technology can get the EQ, EQ level that is needed to walk someone off the edge when they're about to sell their entire portfolio because of everything that's going on in the Middle East or geopolitically or that the pandemic hits and they, they, don't, they think everything's going to blow up. There is a, a personal relationship bond that is created, that is just the human brain having that human to human relationship that can't be taken over by technology. Technology will allow us to do that better in my mind, be able to tell us who we need to talk to, who of our clients are sending emails with negative sentiment that we should probably call instead of email back. Uh, some people that we should look to, to go in and finding as our prospects because they meet the criteria of all of our other clients. I think that a lot of that technology makes sense, but having that conversation with a client and helping them understand why they shouldn't buy the house today and maybe wait a year um, and building that bond. I think that that's just going to be better, more well-received uh, even uh, to millennials uh, by human. Let's talk about industry trends. What are some of the trends you're seeing around the challenges that firms are running into and how they're, um, struggling and overcoming these challenges. Yeah, I think that you know, I, I think that there's a trend happening in the space right now with this. Um, it, it's with this generational shift, not of of wealth, but just generation generational shift of ownership and leadership in wealth management firms. You know, RAs have been around for a while. You know, one of our RAs has been around for 25 years. Um, but you know, a few years ago, we went from Gen 1 to Gen 2. And how Gen 1 built the firm is very different than how Gen 2 does. And Gen 1 came in as an entrepreneur sales individual to help grow the firm because they were going from zero nothing to try to make something. And they made something. Uh, and along the way, they wore a ton of different hats. Um, and they were, they were basically the advisor, the operations, the compliance, the, the front desk person, everybody. And that's just the way it was. And that, nothing was documented. Nothing was kind of put into place. And that is different. And they were kind of the rainmaker. But now they brought up this whole Gen 2 that was basically just servicing everything that they were bringing in. And that's a challenge because now what's happening is you're going from Gen 1, who is the rainmaker, who had the entrepreneurial mindset of growing the firm that way to Gen 2, which was the servicer, but now the servicer has to become a rainmaker. And you have to figure out how to continue to instill the, the, the same client experience and the same processes. And these firms are, are, are struggling uh, with creating processes and uh, documenting them so that they can create, you know, I always think back to the book, The E-Myth Revisited, right? The franchise model, the basically the ability to plug and play people in that do it the same way every time so that client experience is 
consistent. And we are on the, uh, you know, about to see a huge shift in generational wealth, which yes, everybody talks about, well, now you're going to have to serve millennials. But the, the thing that they're not talking about is that there's going to be more people with wealth than there are today, right? You think about a family that you're serving today as a wealth manager that has $3 million. If they have two kids, now that goes from a relationship that's one for 3 million to two that two families that have two different needs and demands that each have a million and a half. And so, and your revenue hasn't changed, but now you need to serve more people and that becomes a challenge. And so in order for us to be able to serve more families, we have to become more operationally efficient and to get more operationally efficient, we have to have documented processes and standardizations, and we're also going to have to have automation. And so this trend is causing firms to really break. And I think that that's why there's that trend in M&A, because they can't necessarily grow. They don't have the infrastructure, the foundation, uh, and they need scale to be able to offer more services to more clients. And they need more infrastructure, which some of these M&A firms, these aggregators and some of the PE firms already have built that allow them to plug and play. And so I think that that trend is going to continue to happen um, for firms that aren't able to make that leap from Gen 1 to Gen 2 and operationalize their business. Uh, and I think that that trend, I talked to a lot of private equity people as well, and I think it's still very early um, because people are going to start to see the strain that it puts on their people and, and, and somewhat of the stagnation in their growth because they're, they're struggling to keep the consistent client experience without that infrastructure and that um, the loss of that entrepreneur who was the rainmaker. We just have time for one more uh, question here. So uh, there's one more trend that I wanted to squeeze in. You talk about displaying data versus executing the data. Yeah, I think that the I think that the trend, um, you know, in the early you know 2010, 2015, you know, early periods of time, it was all about kind of creating a portal for our clients to go to, and it was also from an internal back office. It was an idea of you know to what we mentioned earlier, single sign on. Um, you know, let me see everything in one my in one spot. Let me be able to log into my Schwab uh, advisor center from my CRM. Let me be able to log into Orion from my CRM, or let me see the CR uh, the Orion data in my CRM. That is displaying data all in one spot, and that was a major trend. And it's extremely helpful, right? I don't have to go bounce around. I don't have to remember a ton of usernames and passwords. Uh, I try to get a holistic view of it. The challenge now gets to is that I still have to put data into Orion. I still have to go into Schwab and view or take action on an alert uh, or to start the, the process of opening an account. Um, I still, if I'm in Orion, I see something, I still have to go create. If I see that there's more cash than I want in an investor's or a client's account, I have to go into the CRM and put the task in. And so Displaying the data is step one, right? Bringing it together. The next step is, is to be able to execute on that. How do we take all this data that we now have in one spot and how can we use all of those different data points to take actionable steps or take execute on actions based on that specific data, based on the rules that we set up? And that's really where kind of the whole idea of a business support system comes from. Right. And I think that, and, and so some people say, well, to solve that trend, well, is just to go into an all in one solution. And I don't see that that is the trend that the industry is necessarily going because everybody wants best in breed technology to be able to plug and play to create their own unique client experience 
for each of their for, for each of their firms. And so the the challenge, the next trend or the next step in the evolution for advisors is opening up APIs, allowing them to be bi-directional, not just one directional just to see data, but to be able to be bi-directional, to be able to act on that data, to update that data, um, to consume and use that data somewhere else in another system. And I think that that's where advisors are going to go to next because showing data all in one spot still means that a human has to take an executional, uh, an executable step towards uh, delivering that or delivering on uh, the results from that data to the client or to the advisor, to the CSR. Um, and the next step is going to be, I don't want to do that. I want, I want automation and technology to do that for me in all these systems so that I can actually live in one system and never have to go into the other system to ever update data there or uh, to have that data come in to be able to execute on sending a text message or an email or creating a task inside of my CRM. So that I think is a huge trend that is still in the really infancy uh, stages uh, within our industry, but is becoming more pronounced as people are looking for more time because they're having trouble hiring uh, and they're having capacity challenges as they're growing. And, uh, and that's a, something that needs to be solved for. Matt, you said it all, and now we've run out of time. Please tell the audience where they can find out more information about Benjamin. Yeah, so you can find us at getbenjamin.com. Uh, feel free to you know see what we're about there and some of the case studies and how we've helped other RA firms across the country. Uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can also go to my website, mattryan.com. So uh, either of those websites gets in touch with our team, and uh, we'll be happy to talk with you. Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you, Craig. Hey, it's me again. And here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Benjamin is a lot like the automation app Zapier, but customized for wealth management. Uh, it's focused on wealth management automation, designed to be turnkey with a set of pre-built workflows, which they call missions and playbooks. Uh, that's one and two. Number three, uh, the generational shift happening in many RA firms from the entrepreneurial founders to the next gen of servicers they need tools to help them scale and build repeatable processes, hence the need for technology just like Benjamin. All right, you made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcasts. Let me thank our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. Please check them out at investinothers.org. And remember to please go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Each month, you'll get an email chock full of wealth management goodness, including news, analysis, trends, and more. I promise you won't be disappointed. All right, I'll talk to you all again next time.